preached that message this morning on salvation, and uh, uh, there was there was a couple of people that needed to hear that. And I'm telling you, it's uh, you need to be ready for that day because that day is coming, and and you never know when that thing's going to happen. Uh, most people have no idea when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen, and we're going to get out of here. I think I lost half of my message, so I have to fake it if I have to. Let me let me see where it's at. I'm looking for a piece of paper that I had. Uh, that's all right. I'll wing it. That part of it, I think. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. No, I don't have to. It's right there in the back. Take your Bibles. Go to uh, John. John chapter 18. And uh, I had a thought of a message the other day, and then uh, when Brother Dave did that this morning, uh, it kind of just solidified it in my mind that that's what I said. Yeah, okay, I can still do that. It's good. I came in this morning because you never know. Uh, something could have happened. He could have had a flat tire on the way here, and I had a message ready and the Sunday school ready. Uh, and you sit there and you say, well, are you sure you're going to be ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm always ready. Uh, if you're not ready, you never know when the Lord's going to call you. Some, somebody, uh, Brother Dave even said this the other day, uh, you never know when you get up there, somebody, something could happen to the pastor at the last minute, and he could pass out, and uh, next thing you know, you're, somebody's got to get up and preach. And uh, John 18, 1, Jesus is sitting here, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, verse 1, when Jesus spoke these words, he went forth over the, the brook uh, uh, Kidron. Am I in the right place? Hang on a second. I think I want to be in, uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, this is, this is, this is good. Uh, but I don't want to be there. Where I want to be is over in verse 30, 36, 36, 1836. Jesus answered and said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world... Then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is, uh, is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is uh, of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said, uh, had thus said, he went out again and uh, out unto the Jews, uh, and saith unto them, I find no fault. Uh, I find no fault at all. Uh, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one that is uh, uh, one at the Passover. Will ye therefore I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. And now Barabbas was a robber. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. I thank you for the word of God, Lord. Thank you for the truth that is, is written in these pages. Uh, Lord, that if we just take a few seconds and look at what went on, you told us uh, plethora is worth of information, Lord, every time we read this Bible. Uh, Lord, I pray that you bless the message tonight. Uh, Lord, bless the hearers. Father, and uh, do pray for Brother Reagan and his daughter, Lord, that you just, uh, him and his wife and his family. Uh, Lord, I know, uh, I remember when Esther was going through it, it, it not only affected me and Beth, but it also affected all of our kids. Lord, just bless his family and, and the friends, and uh, Lord, uh, he's, we lift him up in prayer. Uh, Lord, he's just trying to do the right thing by you, and uh, Lord, uh, everything happens in this world. We know it happens for a reason. Lord, just show those doctors exactly what to do and how to take care of her, and Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. You may be seated. It's an interesting story. I always like this story, uh, but it just didn't start right here, and so many times when we pick up our Bible and we start reading it, uh, we read the story and we get the go across it real quick and, and we just let it go and it's in one ear and out the other and, and we go back to doing what we're doing. But 
a lot of people, and that message this morning was a good salvation message. I mean, you know what? Every now and then you just need to hear how simple something is. We were over talking to my mom a few minutes ago. We had a little birthday party. All the kids were there. Uh, everybody but Esther. Esther never shows up. Man, she always tries to find a reason to get out of everything. But she had strep throat, and she couldn't be there. So, uh, But uh, four grandkids or great-grandkids were there, and the four, uh, all my grandkids, all my kids were there except Esther, and me and Beth were there. And, and uh, we had a cake and ice cream. Beth got cake and ice cream for her and balloons and all this other stuff. And she's over crying, and, and I'm heartless. You know how I am. Uh, I'm like, quit that crying, woman. What's up? No, I was, uh, but you sit there and look at that thing, and my mom says, uh, and, and little Bella looks at my mom somewhere, I don't know whether it's today or yesterday or sometime here in the future past, and she said, are you saved? And my mom goes, well, I, I think, I hope I am. She goes, oh. <laughs> like, she's heard you, like, wait a minute, you're supposed to know that you're saved. That's the wrong answer. Uh, I mean, that answer is wrong. And I told mom today, I said, mom, I said, that's the problem. The, the salvation is simple. It's always been simple. Uh, the Lord's made it simple. I said, we are the ones who make everything complicated. It's not really complicated. When you get into this story, Jesus Christ, uh, I listened to Brother Walker preach the other day, Dr. Walker preaching, and you always hear the term omnipresent, uh, which means Christ is everywhere, the Holy Spirit's everywhere. God's everywhere at one time. You can't get away from him. For us to even think we can leave here and go do what we want to do and we're getting away with something, yeah, you're really not getting away with nothing. It's all being written down in the book. Can you believe me? It's being, you're, you're, they got, you think you got it, man. I, I tell you what, you know what's scary? Is these things right here. You go out and do anything you want, somebody's going to take a stinking picture of you and they're going to have it. What do you think the Holy Ghost is doing right about now? He's got your number, man. I mean, we sit there and uh, everybody says, oh, yeah, but see, God, I told us this morning, God wants you to succeed. The, the judgment seat of Christ, I think the Baptist church got this thing all wrong. We're sitting there always, God's going to hit you with a brick. God's going to hit you with a Why do you want to get hit with a brick anyways? That's my, I guess I, I'm curious about that. I don't like getting hit with stuff. Stuff hurts. I don't like hitting my hand, hand with a finger. I remember one time Andrew was out there working, and I was banging with a hammer. Andrew's sitting there watching me like this. And I hit my hand, finger with a, with a hammer, and he goes, I knew you was going to do that. I'm like, I would wish you'd have told me that before I run around the yard screaming and yelling, but I didn't cuss. I, I, was, I stayed calm about it. I just went around shaking my finger all over the place. But why in the world, Jesus Christ, as the judgment of Christ, he wants us to prosper. He wants us to succeed. He does not want us to fail. He's not having a judgment seat so he can just condemn us. We're going to go to that thing, and it's going to be our fault. It's not going to be anybody else's fault. He has done everything he possibly can do to make us succeed. We will not succeed because we have other things we want to do, which have nothing to do with eternity. Jesus, the last 24 hours of his life is amazing when you start looking at it. The things he knew, omnipresent, the Holy Spirit's everywhere one time. I believe Jesus knew everything that was going on. Om omniscient, all-knowing. He knows everything. You can't hide nothing from him. I don't even know why you would try. Man, I sin, when I sit down, I'm like, oh, Lord, you just saw it. I said, why do I keep doing it? Have you ever read your Old Testament? Man, I read that thing. I, I, I'd sit there and read. Uh, I went up to preach at Brother Reagan's the other day, and, and I, I thought I had my Bible reading down and the chart I needed to do, and, blah, 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 and I, I got a week ahead of myself. So I read next week's Bible. You know what I had to do? I had to come back and read this week's Bible. Now, I don't know if you, I read it twice a year, but if you read a week's worth of Bible in a couple days, uh, that's a lot of Bible if you're doing it every six months. 
And I'm sitting there reading this thing, and you know what I get all the way through here is people just do not want to do what God says. You know what bothered me is they'll make little stinking statues. I was born and raised Roman Catholic. They'll make these little statues, and they'll bow down and worship them. You know what God said? It's bad enough that they worship these little idols. He goes, but the heathen, the heathen will worship their idols and not change, and you guys had the right God, and you go to the heathen. He said, they don't change their God, but you change yours for theirs. He goes, how can you do that? Man, I look back over 43 years, and I watch what the Lord has done in my life, and the little things he's done, pieces and parts here and there. And every now and then I get discouraged, and I just want to quit, and, I, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will bring something to mind and say, well, you remember that? I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I remember you did that. He goes, how about this? Yeah, I remember you did that. He goes, yeah, I remember you did that, and that, and that, and that. And pretty soon I'm like, okay, okay, I still know you're there, and I still know you're in, and just because you don't talk to me doesn't mean you're not there. You know, sometimes he tells you what to do, and you're supposed to just do what he tells you. You know, have you ever seen parents, they'll tell their kids what to do like a billion times, and they still don't get it. You know what the deal is? They haven't got it yet. You know what makes you happy the first time they get it and they do it? It's like, whoa, they got it, man. And you'll realize, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I've said something for like forever. And they go, oh, yeah, you know, I finally got it when so-and-so said it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I want to kill you, man, because I said that to you like a billion times. But when somebody else says it, you finally get it. Jesus Christ, in the last 48 hours, or, or last day of his life, uh, you heard the word omnipresent. You heard the word omniscient. Omnipotent, all-powerful. You can't touch him. He allowed us to touch him. You need to get a hold of that thing. He allowed man to touch him. You can't touch him. If, he, if, if Michael or Gabriel was there and you went to touch him, they'd take you out. You're talking about a couple of bodyguards, man. Them guys were it. We were up at, uh, up at Brother Reagan's church, and Adam was in the back. And you all know Adam, you know, he's, Adam's not short by any means. I mean, he's Adam. Uh, and, but he had, he had Randall on one side, and he had uh, Brother uh, Dustin on the other side. So Brother Randall and Dustin is, is like this, and here's Adam. Adam is in the middle of this guy, and you got these two big guys, and Beth looked back and goes, they can say whatever they want to say about Adam, but he's got two bodyguards that will take them out, man. That would have been the way the Lord was, man. You got Lord sitting there like this, and you'd have Michael and Gabriel on each side of him, and you go to mess with him, you're out. But Brother, Brother Walker come up with that. I've never really thought about this one, but he said, omnibenevolent. I'm like, omnibenevolent. I like benevolent. You know what benevolent is? It's being good. He's all good. He's never bad. He's all good. I knew that years ago. I, I, I settled that in my mind a long time ago. You know what? When I come up with a problem, I, here's the way I look at a problem. I look at problems probably most different than most everybody on the whole planet. Every time something happens, I'm like, oh, rats, what did I do for that to happen? It has to be my fault. I've had people come and say, well, you shouldn't always take the blame. It is your fault, by the way. I mean, you may not like to hear that, but you are, you are at fault. Because when it all boils down and I take everybody out of the picture, the only thing is left is the Lord Jesus Christ and me. And if he's never wrong, it has to be me. Now, I may not understand why it's me at that moment, but I know it's me. But he's omnibenevolent. He's all good. So then everything he does, when you go to the Bible, everything he does is good. To the nth degree. It is all good. You know what you got to do? You got to learn how to change. We always want to look at everybody else. Well, this person, that person. And you know what that does? That'll irritate you more than any. I don't, when somebody leaves the church, it doesn't bother me one bit. 
I'm, I hope they go find someplace else to go. It, well, I, I, let me take it. It does, it does bother me a little because the human side is there. Uh, because you have to stop and say, did I cause that or did this happen or did that happen or what was it? You have to go through those things. But really, when it's all said and done, I'm like, there's, if I can't help them, I'd rather they go somewhere else and get the help. they. But you know what I've realized is most of the time they go nowhere. What they're doing is they're trying to drag the church down and they'll drag you down, too. Because the devil knows, and, and Brother Spurgeon said it today, the devil knows what will trip your trigger. He knows exactly how to push your button. He knows what it will take to irritate you and trip you over the edge. And he'll put people in your life sometime to do that. You can only help somebody so far. As a matter of fact, you really can't help them. You can't heal them. You, you can give them every... I like the Proverbs. The Proverbs are great. If you're surety for, a, for someone, you're going to smart for it. You know what that says? Don't give them nothing. So, but, you know, every time I've tried to help somebody, it always turned out bad. Now, I help people, but I'm talking about to out there somewhere. You try to help them, really help them over the years, nine chances out of ten, they're going to get mad at you. Because pretty soon, you help them once, and they, if you help them once, which I think you ought to maybe, maybe help them twice. But after that, that's it. If you help them more than that, they become dependent on you helping them. And pretty soon... They're going to come to you every single time and give you this hard luck story. They need help. That's where Jesus comes in. That's what you need him for. <laughs> he's all powerful, all present, all omnipotent, and he's all uh, omnibenevolent. Yeah. The last day of his life starts out, and you think you've ever had a bad day? You ought to. Judas, a day or so before that, goes and, and makes a deal with the, the high priest. Look, I can turn him into you. And, and uh, you know, I've heard preachers preach, and they think it's this reason. There's really no reason. It's, I'll tell you where the reason is. It was prophesied before the foundation of the world that that guy was going to do that. He was going to, somebody was going to turn Jesus in, and that was going to happen. That was going to be a part of his life. Judas goes and does this. And you sit there and think, well, why would he do that? Have you ever wondered why people actually leave the church? They get the Word of God. They get the Bible. They get, we believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. They get the Word of God. They, uh, if, if, just because you don't get it the way you want it doesn't matter. I, I've been in restaurants, man. They brought me food that it wasn't quite way. I still ate it and, thank, and I was thankful for it. I was thankful that we had the food. I've seen other people, send it back. I want it back. I want my money back. I want this. I want that. I'm like, you bunch of whiny crybabies, man. Have you ever done anything wrong? Huh? Have, you ever, have you ever thought that maybe you've done something wrong and, and would you like everybody to respond to you the exact same? Well, I'm paying good money for that. Well, you know, your boss pays good money for you at work. Do you do what you're supposed to do at work all the time? Do you have the right attitude? My Lord and Savior had the right attitude all the time. And knowing everything that was getting ready to happen, that would already happen, that was going to happen in the future, he already knew it all, he allowed this stuff to happen. The disciples go, he tells the disciples, he has to tell us what to do. Disciples, I like that, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not on, I sign everybody's Bible with that. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You know when you read your Bible what you got? You got Jesus directing the path of 12 disciples. All the way down through there. You know what you can't get away with? Is him not directing your path. If you try to direct this thing yourself, you're going to mess this thing up. I'm going to tell you, you're going to mess it up. I went through the Navy. I was telling you, you start asking any Navy, oh, man, I'll go through Navy stories like you won't believe. I just like Navy. And people say, why would you like it? Because I felt like God stuck me there. 
And that was a, the hand of God put me right where I needed to be at the right time in my life to teach me some things I could have not learned anywhere else. I was thankful for every moment I was in the military. You say, well, it was a bad, yeah, 90% of it was terrible, man. I wasn't like the Air Force or the Army and Marines where they just sat around and did nothing all day and polished guns. I, <laughs> we actually had to go to sea and get seasick. And, and throw up and puke and all that and watch other people do that stuff. And we, we, we got to do some good stuff every now and then, about 10% of it, but the 90% out at sea was terrible. But I thank God for every moment of that. Why? Because what he did is he taught me something. I was talking to somebody this morning, and, and I started going down through a couple things, and I, I said, you know, everything that I went through schools and all this stuff, the Lord already had prepared me for that stuff. Here my dad's an alcoholic. He was a terrible alcoholic, a terrible dad, but, boy, he taught me some things. And what he taught me, all this stuff that he taught me is exactly what I needed to get through ETA school and come out number one. I would have had no idea. Now you can look at it and say, well, oh man, he was a bad dad and you poor little boy. Oh, you said, I now know why you're the way you are. No, you don't, man. I'm not, it has nothing to do with my dad. Everything I, it's my fault. I've done everything I've done. The Lord hadn't done anything. But the Lord goes down through here. Jesus, Jesus has them do the Passover meal and tells them exactly what to do. They do the Passover meal. Then during the Passover, uh, once it's over, the mill, he starts washing their feet. And you've heard this preaching a lot of times. He'll, he'll go over that. This is all the last day. He sits there. This, he says uh, he takes his robe off and whatever. And he gets down and he has everybody sitting here. And, and he starts at one end and goes right. And he washes Judas's feet. And he goes from one end all the way to the other. And what he told us is exactly that. You know what we don't want? We don't want to do that. We hate serving someone else. You know, to serve somebody, it takes a while to learn how to do that. It's not something you can do because people irritate you. Brother Joe irritates me. He irritates me. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? I'm like, you sound like a woman, man. And I was telling him that the other day. I, we come out, I pick him up. Come and take him. We're going to take him out uh, to the doctor's office. And he gets in the truck. He goes, did you see the flat tire on the trailer over there? Doors open. Hey, do you, like, would you shut up, man? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's sitting there writing himself down. I got, he's got a list of stuff, man, he's going to tell me about. How about this? How about that? Hey, my mouse. He tell me he's got his mouse. I think his mice had COVID up there or something. We, I go up there, man, and, and they, somebody actually put two traps up there. But they never set the traps at all those plastic ones that you pull a little thing down. Put, nobody ever put nothing inside. I, I mean, really, if you're going to catch a mice, mouse, typically, you got to put something inside them that will draw them inside so smash their little head. Well, these were sitting there, black as anything, never black, brand new, just like they took them out of the box, sitting on the ground. Uh, just to let you know, mice will not go into something that doesn't have anything inside for them to go in. But Joe's got a mouse up there. I don't care what you put in it. It ain't going to go in there anyways. It sits there and walks around it, looks at it, laughs at you. They put them little things on the wall that get a little flashing light, and they, they get over there and start dancing around that thing, like doing the jig. Then, then we put these sticky papers on. I mean, I could do the whole floor in sticky papers, and he'll, the mice will walk around the sticky paper and look at him. I said, man, that, mice has, that mouse has got to have COVID. Uh, they, he can't hear, he can't see, and he can't smell. Well, no, he can see because he misses everything. But he definitely can't smell and he comes and goes, I got a mouse. Well, I don't care if you got a mouse. I don't have a mouse in my house. That's your problem. You know what he does? I got a mouse. I set all the traps, and then it don't catch. Well, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, no, no. You know what a servant is? It, you help other people. You help. You do things. That's what Jesus, he set the example for us. The day before he died, he set an example down there. You know the hardest thing you'll do? you got to watch because sometimes you'll try to help people that cannot be helped. 
He can be helped. I, I use him as an example because he's sitting here, and that way he can't say I'm talking about his back. I'll do it right in front of him. But, but in a couple of weeks, he's going to be out there. He's going to be back home. He's going to be well. And you can help some people, and you can see the progress in their lives, and they're getting right where they need to be. But some people you cannot help. And you'll, you'll spin your wheels, and it'll irritate you to no end, and you cannot do it. You know what you got to do? Let that stuff go off, of just like what they say, water on a duck's back. You got to let that stuff roll off. Jesus did it. He illustrated. He got down and did the 12 disciples, and one of them was a devil. He showed, number one, how a true servant should look. You know, people can look at you and tell when you're a servant or not. This is all this, the precursor to the, the message, really. Uh, this, he showed how, true, uh, how a true follower follows him. If, you're gonna, if you really want to be, a, they were first called Christians at Antioch, then you're going to have to learn how to be hospitable. You're going to have to learn how to help people. You're going to you're gonna have to get over yourself. and You're going to have to make time. I tell you what, here, you've got to make time to help people. That's why I said that to be in the... Uh, Joe, Joe, sitting over here. If y'all got, if anybody's got a few minutes in during the day, if you don't, don't worry. I'll, I mean, I'll, I can shift my time around to do whatever he needs for a couple more weeks, and I'm gonna boot him out. But I'm telling you, I can help him. But if you can, uh, uh, Brother Jake did it today. I went to Brother Jake and said, "Hey, could you go help Brother Joe?" He goes, "Yeah, I can help him." He had the time to do it. He went and did it. You know, it it, do, it does a body good when you help somebody. Sometimes, all of a sudden, you actually feel good about yourself. Like, I really did something. Don't get too proud about it because then the Lord take your blessing away. Uh, and it reveals, it showed what a true follower is in him, and it revealed it. I like the way he revealed the betrayer in this whole passage here because he said there's somebody that's going to be sitting at the table and eating with me. Jesus identified his betrayer, John 13, 18 through 19. Go back here real quick. We'll just buzz through these verses real, real quick. I don't want to spend much time on them. Uh, verses 18 and 19, he sat there and said, uh, I speak not of you all. I know whom I had chosen, but he, uh, that the scripture might be fulfilled. You know, the Lord said before the founding, uh, uh, we try to get away with stuff, but brethren, it's already been written. It's, it's, he already knows what's going to happen. It's going to happen. You can't, you, he allows you to know some things. You get in this book, you know what, I, I had a little couple notes here that uh, it was prophesied in the scriptures. It was available for all to see. You could have seen it any time. I could see anything. If you don't get in the book, there's things you just can't see. It was known by Jesus only, and Jesus, uh, and Jesus was sitting at the same table where the, the person who was going to betray him was sitting with him, eating. The meal was provided by the Lord. He was feeding his betrayer. But the Lord seen something further on down the road for me and you that nobody else seen. Jesus now starts talking. And he finishes uh, John, uh, John chapter 13. From 13 to 18 is really the, the passage that I'm looking at, but I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it takes forever. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, always trying to encourage them. He's trying to show them, you know, it's, it's hard for us to learn how to be what we're supposed to be. You're supposed to be, brethren, I can sit here and say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't wear this, wear this, wear that. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to have an outward appearance and your inside's going to be still messed up. You know what you need to do is you need to clean the inside and leave the outside alone. The outside will take care of itself. I've watched this for 43 years. I've seen people that get their insides right and their outsides always match the inside. There's one thing I can't stand is somebody who looks good on the outside and just wicked as hell on the inside. You can talk to them for two minutes and tell. And then, oh, it goes on. I like it. Jesus starts talking about his home. He's encouraging you. He's like, guys, this John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Why, do we, why don't we encourage each other most of the time? 
John 41, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it was done. So I told you so. I go to prepare a place. He went to make you a house. And brother, I'm telling you what, he made you a nice one. Not a house, a mansion. He made you, you got a mansion. These new Bibles say house, home. I think home or house. They're stupid, man. A room. I thought my mom was over, she lives in this one room. And it's, it is a room. It is a room, uh, probably, probably about from here to that wall. Uh, this, this area right here would probably be the room. And then it's got a bathroom right here. And uh, I mean, everybody that went there today, everybody had to stand up and and the kids were sitting on the floor and all this other stuff. She felt real. I tried to get her to move over into independent living where she'd get at least two or three rooms. She goes, well, if I move over there, I, I hear noises in the other rooms. And I get all scared. And she goes, this is good enough for now. But then she goes, I, I live in a, I'm a pauper over here. And I'm sitting there going, what? I said, it costs you three times as much to live here than it does over there. I said, you, you would go down over there and have more room to do it with. But you know what? Some people, they, they just, they, all the people that you could bring in and all the other stuff, they just still, still see the negative side of everything. Jesus is not doing that with us. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Brethren, if you're really on his side, what you're going to do is you're going to get on that side and you're going to start getting happy. While I was in the Navy, I was happy. I, I'm telling you, man, I'm a sick puppy. Arr! That was me on a ship. I'm like, let's get this thing underway. Senior chief told me sailors belong on ships and ships belong at sea and your wife didn't come in your sea bag. You know what that meant? You're a sailor, you belong on that ship and the ship belongs out at sea. Uh, you know a ship sitting pier side is useless? The thing needs to be out at sea. If you let the thing sit there long enough, it'll start rusting up and corroding. You know, it needs to be functioning. You need to keep it. That's salt water out there. It's constantly messing up. Let not your hearts be turned. You believed in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. I got one. I got one. I got one. In my father's house are many mansions. You ever stopped and dwelled on that for a while? What in the world would you want anything down here for? If the universe is this big, he's outside this thing. And outside this thing, he's got you a mansion built. That's outside this thing called the universe. And we were like, wee, that in here somewhere. And we're out here. He's out here. And he's got me a mansion built. Why do I care about anything in this thing? I should only care about the things he cares about. You know what's wrong with us? We get, we get sidetracked into this world. The devil gets you sidetracked just like he did Eve. And we'll start thinking about this and we'll start thinking about that. And we'll, You know, I can't win everybody to the Lord. I can't do it. It's impossible. It's an impossibility. I see concerts out there with hundreds of thousands of people and they're all cheering the devil and everything else. And I'm sitting there going, I can't, I can't win. I can't do. But, you know, you can get one or two every now and then. And that's all that matters. That's all the Lord matters to you. If I look at all that other stuff, that'll make me want to quit. You know what the Lord says? Don't uh, think about your mansion every now and then. It's up in heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. He now talks about his home. He starts saying, guys, I'm going home. I got a place prepared for you, and you're going to come with me after a while. Why don't we think about those things? His mission. He says over in John 14, uh, 6, he says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the dispersion mentioned that no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. You can't do it. I like, I like a thing over here that says, I am in my Father's hand, and you're in my hand, and you're not getting out. Yeah. I'm thinking, man, I said, you're talking about secure. I am secure. I'm more secure than you can ever imagine. He talked about his home. He talked about his mission. He talked about his replacement. He says, I must go that the comforter may come. I got to go. The Holy Spirit's got to come back. That way he can get to all of you at the same time. You know what? If, you, if you're not struggling to get the Holy Spirit in your life, you're missing something big. 
Because he can, he's the one that's going to guide and direct your steps. He's the one that's going to show you what to do. He's going to one that gives you the joy and the peace inside your heart. He's the one that's going to bring all that stuff to pass. This is just a, the prelude to this message. This message, I better get going, man. I'll be here forever. Then he gives the disciples new orders. He says over in John chapter 15, go to 15 real quick. We're flying through. I need to fly through these verses quicker. I am the true vine, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Verse 3. Now ye, uh, verse 4, verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch. You know what the first thing he said, abide. You got to learn how to abide in him. You got to get to the place where we abide in him, not in somebody around you, in him. My life is in him. I'm wrapped up in him. I'm attached to the vine. The vine is him. My life is his. I'm hid in him. I'm, that's, I'm, I'm not mine. You know what I always liked about jobs? They'll start you out paying you big bucks. And then after a while, once they get you tied up, they think they got you. The Navy did that with me. I mean, you're talking about getting mad. They got mad. In 1994, when I walked away from the Navy, you talking about them getting They fired me on the spot, man. They put me down there taking care of kids. Uh, it's like putting me in the Navy nursery. Uh, I, was at, I was taking care of everything. Pensacola Naval Air Station, Corey Station, 54 techs working for me. I was fired the moment I did that. Why? Because they thought, the detailer told me, he said, don't ask me for nothing. You're going to this, and we're going to do this to you, and this is what. And it was all good stuff. There was nothing wrong. It, it's, it was a, it was a, I was excelling. I was going up. Where he was going to put me was going to make my career better. And I said, no, nah, you're not going to do that to me. Oh, yes, I can, because you've got six years left. The typical person would not give up that and have six years left. You know how many people call me fool for getting out of the Navy? It's 14 years. Boy, I'm glad I did. I'm, I'm here today. I'm glad I'm here. I got to go see my mom in a nursing home here. And I, I, I asked the Lord a long, long time ago when I got to say, 43 years ago, that verse he quoted it today where the uh, Philippian jailer says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Yeah. 43 years ago, I told the Lord what my house was, and everybody in my house is saved except my mom that can give me a clear-cut salvation. And now she's here in my hometown on my turf, and I got the last couple of years to work with her, hopefully, and hopefully she'll get it and she'll get out of here, and, and that Lord will keep that promise right there to me. You say, what was it? That's what I told him 43 years ago, and guess what? 43 years later, he's still doing what he said he was going to do. I like that stuff, man. I tell you what, you know what our problem is, is we just don't abide in him. You're also supposed to bear fruit. He says that in there. He goes, if you abide in me and my words in you, uh, ye shall ask what you will, uh, hearing my father, verse 8, hearing my father is glorified. You know how you glorify God? He says that ye bear much fruit. Now, I know he's talking to disciples here. I got that. So shall ye be my disciples, but I'm a disciple also. And there should be fruit in my life somewhere. There should be there. And gee, this is his last day. You're talking about a busy work schedule. He's got it. Bear fruit. You're supposed to love each other. He goes down there. He says, uh, verse uh, 14, these things have I, uh, 11, these things have I spoken unto you, 15, 11, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You got joy? You, are you happy? Are you always miserable? Are you sad? There's something wrong. If you are, I'm telling you. He goes right here, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This crowd right here, we're supposed to love each other. Guess what? We're all different. The Lord's trying to teach you something. I'm, I'm hurrying up the best I can. Uh, also, you have a friend in Jesus. I have a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. 
He's the lily of the valley. And he goes right here, greater love hath no man. I remember, man, the first time I marked that verse in my Bible. I sat there and said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Who would you lay down your life for? He laid down his life for you. He says, you are my friends. When, he, when I read that, I'm like, man, I'm his friend. He's not calling me just a servant. If you do whatsoever I command you. So there's a, there's a stipulation there, but he said, Mike, you're my friend. Do you understand you're my friend? I had preachers call me every, every now and say, Mike, you're my friend. And we hardly ever talk sometimes, but he said, you're my friend. Why? Because they, he said, I know if I call you, man, you'll help me. If I ever need anything, I can trust you. He's my friend. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And in the garden there, some things uh, occurred, and, and he knew that he could have went somewhere else. He already knew. He's om, omniscient. He knows everything. He knew that Judas was going to come there. He knew that Judas was going to pop in with all the people. He could have went to another garden. He didn't do it. There's other times where he just went somewhere else. No, this time he's going right to the spot. He did that for you. You ever thought about what he's done? Judas arrives, got some soldiers with him. Hey, betray him with a kiss. You can't trust anybody, man. They come, I can see why these little kids run from people going to them all the time. They can see, I think kids see something that we don't see. Uh, it, takes, it took me a while to get these little ones like me, man. They just, they, they run from me. They, they see something, I guess, big monster guy. Oh, they want, give me gummy bears. Give me this, give me ice cream, give me this. And after a while, I had, we went out to a family reunion yesterday with Best Family. And uh, uh, Elizabeth gave me Riley. But before she gave me Riley, she told me something she should have not told me. She said she loves pulled pork. I'm like, hmm, how about that? So I go get a bowl, man. I put some spicy pulled pork on one side and the mother pulled pork on the other side. And I'm just giving it. And she's grabbing it and shoving it in her face and grabbing it. You're not giving her spicy stuff, are you? I said, I'm giving her whatever she wants. I said, I'm the grandpa, man. Grandpas can get away with that kind of stuff. And she loves it, man. I mean, she was sitting there eating it. And then she did the same thing. But she, she got mad at me at first. But Jesus arrives with some soldiers. They betray him with a kiss. You've got to watch that stuff. Just because somebody seems nice and pleasant and everything else, uh, there should be some background in their lives. You've got to watch it. Peter drew his sword out and, and trying to help. Sometimes you hurt people by trying to help. And he cut the guy's ear off. The Lord, number one, doesn't need me to fight for him like that. And he doesn't need you to fight for him like that unless he actually tells you to. And I don't think he ever told us to. The Lord had to heal his ear. This is the last day. Jesus is getting ready to go for some trouble here in a few minutes. Jesus asked them, whom seek ye? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. As soon as he said, he goes, I am here. And they all go backwards and fall down. You're talking about the, the displaying power. He just displayed it all over the place. And they all fall down and get back up and they come back at him. There are some things that still marvel me in this Bible. What kind of idiot would somebody say something to and you go fall down? Would get back up and come back at him? I mean, you, you're talking about deceived, man. I mean, there's some totally deceived people. And they get back up and come back at him, and they fall on the ground. Jesus then was taken prisoner out of the garden, knowing exactly what it was for you and me, for us, for us. This, you're talking about the simplicity of salvation, but when you start looking at what he's done, it's amazing. The trial was done in secret at nighttime. So nobody could catch. That's, that's like what our government does now. You'll, you'll see, I've seen some pictures that they showed at uh, Trump's, place down there, President Trump, and they showed all these folders top secret. Now they're coming out and saying, well, they were all really empty folders, and they wondered what was in the folders. Well, at one time, top secret stuff was in the folders, or if somebody stuck a sticker top secret on a folder and threw it on the ground, you don't know, but there was never nothing in it, but they never told you that. 
You can't trust any side of anything. I don't think he trusts Donald Trump all the way either, so don't think I'm on his side. The trial was done a night in secret. He was condemned by the high priest. Then they sent him to Pontius Pilate. Pilate could not find anything wrong with him. He, uh, any reason to crucify him, to kill him. There just wasn't anything there. He couldn't see it. That man was in business doing this stuff for a living. He, he could read people, and he said, hey, man, this guy maybe, maybe caused some trouble and irritates people, but there's nothing worthy of death in him. Pilate sends him to Herod Agrippa. Agrippa. And Herod, Herod does the same thing, can't find none. They scourge him, do a couple things, but they never could find him. The Lord took all this for us. I'm getting to the message here just a second. Pilate, they bring him back to Pilate. He looks at him and says, are you the king of the Jews? Now, you think that would scare people. Pilate wasn't scared by that. He, he had no idea. He, he didn't care, man. Pilate, Jesus said, is that something you said or did somebody tell you that? He goes, look, he said, am I a Jew? I'm not a Jew. I don't care. I'm asking you, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, said this. 34, 1834, say thou this of thyself, or did others tell it thee? Verse 37, he says, thou sayest I am a king, to this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Now, I'm going to stop just there for a nanosecond. When you see people do the wrong thing, they're not listening to his voice. They're doing what they want to do. Jesus is as clear. When Brother Spurgeon said it today, he's very clear about everything he's doing. If you want to do what he wants you to do, you will hear him tell you what to do. If you don't want to do what he wants you to do, you will do what you want to do. I don't know if that made any sense to you just then, but it did to me. I will do what I want to do. And he has never in 43 years made it difficult for me to understand what he wanted. Not one time, not one time in 43 years has he ever made it difficult. He has made it as simple as you could possibly do. And it's not going to be complicated. Mike, 43 years from now, you're going to run, be a pastor of a church in Dayton. No, 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 that's not that. Hey, go join the Navy. Hey, I want you to do this. It's a gut feeling, man. Sometimes it's just a word or two here and there, and, and, and it's like, yeah, yeah, and joy, man, the joy. You had the peace of God that passed all of a sudden. I had peace about all the stuff I ever did. It's, I knew I should have took the chief's exam, and I did it. I knew what I should. I know you know he's not a respecter of any person. You know what you're supposed to do, and you know what you're not supposed to do. Jesus goes on, and he goes right here. He goes, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. You know what I know about Pilate? He wasn't of the truth. Because the very next thing Pilate said to him, what is truth? This is the saddest, saddest statement ever in your Bible. Right in front of him is a man that had, I just went through a day of his life with you. That knew everything that was going to happen before he stood in front of Pilate. And actually he knew the words that Pilate was going to speak right off his lips. And Jesus Christ is just sitting there to listen to him. Pilate said to him, what is truth? In response, Pilate gives the crowd a choice. And, and every one of us has a choice. The devil's given us all a choice. Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? The choice is yours. The choice was mine. 1980, I made a choice. I chose Jesus. I like Jesus. I think Jesus is cool, man. I didn't know a whole lot about him then. I knew of him. The Catholic Church taught us a lot of stuff about him. 
Uh, he was always like a little baby in Mary's arm, or he was dead on a cross somewhere. But when I found out he was a living, risen Savior, that really impressed me because uh, he come up out of a tomb. And I mean, he, he knew, what gets me is he knew the moment. You cannot die when you want to die. You take a gun, put it up your head and blow your brains out. You think you're going to blow your brains out. You might live for two or three days. You might live for 20 years. I got a friend that got shot in the back of the head by a nine millimeter gun. Came, the bullet came out the front. He was paralyzed, Walter Crockett, paralyzed on one side. And this happened 30 years ago and he's still alive. <laughs> you can't guarantee when you're going to die. He did. He said, ah, I'm done. It's finished. And they wrap him up and they lay him in a tomb. I heard somebody say, oh, well, Good Friday. Good Friday was not a Good Friday, by the way. Never was a Good Friday. And he couldn't have died on Good Friday. But they'll, people are idiots. Well, it was three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, no, Sunday don't count because he was up out of the ground before Sunday morning started. So it had to be three days before that, 24 hours. And he tells three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He tells you, he tells you all through this book what he's going to do, how he's going to do it. And we try to make up something that means absolutely nothing at all. Pilate, Pilate sits there and he, he looks at the crowd because Pilate's just a coward, really. He doesn't want to take the blame for this. I'd like to say there was one person there who got the truth. In this whole scenario, one person actually got truth. Gary Duty's got a song about Barabbas. And it's a great song. But he knew that he was a sinner. You know, to, to get the truth, you've got to be honest. Barabbas knew that he was a sinner. He was in a jail cell. He was the one that was supposed to be condemned. He was supposed to be between those two thieves up on that cross. All three of them are probably in cahoots together, and they were going to take all three of them out at the same time. But Barabbas was a notable criminal, and that guy knew exactly what he... If the one thief that was hanging on the cross looked at Jesus Christ and said, and then looked at the other thief and said, hey, you and I deserve what we get. This man deserves nothing. They knew exactly about everything in their lives, what was going on. And this guy over here, when he got a hold of Jesus Christ, he said, hey, man, truth is truth, and this is truth. You and I deserve what we get. This man deserves nothing. And he goes, Lord, remember me. And he goes, you got it, man. You're in there. Tomorrow, today. He didn't say yesterday. Come back a week from now. No, he goes, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know where that guy went? The moment he died, boom, right into Abraham's bosom. You say, is that true? Yeah, man, that's exactly what the Lord said. I believe it. Pilate, Pilate, that, the Pilate, Barabbas knew that he was a sinner. Mark uh, 15, 7 says, And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. He knew it. You know, the Bible says, For all sin comes short of glory to God. Barabbas knew he was a sinner. None good, no, not one. So I, I know what I am. And I know what's out facing me. He knew that he had to pay for his sin. You know, before you can really find Jesus Christ and be honest, you got to realize you're a sinner yeah. and that somebody has to pay for that thing. Yeah. They, they, the remission, I, I just went through Romans, man. I'm telling you what, going through it every now is cool because you get remission and redemption, and they're two different words. Just because your sins are remitted, the, the thief on the cross got his sins remitted because Jesus is still alive. But shortly thereafter, Jesus died, and he got them redeemed. You know what, we, we, on this side of glory, on this side of the cross, the moment I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, I get remission and redemption at the exact same moment. I get sanctified, I get righteousness, I get all that stuff right now. That's a wonder we don't fall down like they did in the garden when we get hit with that stuff. Brethren, you know what, they, he gives me stuff, but that, that Barabbas knew. I seen something one time, I don't know what it was, and uh, they showed the cross, and it actually showed, uh, and uh, the, whoever did the movie or whatever it was, 
It might have been a picture, but it depicted Barabbas in the crowd looking up at Christ, thinking what he did. Barabbas knew the scourging. He was going to get scourged. He watched it. Anybody in prisons watched that stuff happen. He was going to get beaten. He's going to get scourged. Then he was going to have to carry a cross up to the, the thing. And all that was done to weaken a person. They beat them. They scourged them. They did all that stuff to weaken them so that when they got up on the cross, it didn't take them too long to die up there. But they wanted them to die long enough to make them suffer so it scared everybody else to death. But they did all this stuff to get the people where they're just about ready to die. Barabbas knew that. They've, saw, they've seen, seen crucifixion after crucifixion. That's the way the Romans killed people. And Barabbas knew that. He knew exactly what he was. He had to pay for his sin. He knew he was going to be nailed to the cross. You know what's wrong with a lot of us is we don't think that what we've done is going to cost anything to anybody. And it does. He knew he was going to die. He knew that someone died in his place. Because when the crowd asked for Barabbas, or for Barabbas to be set free and Jesus to go to the cross, I'm, I'm sure there for a moment he was pretty giddy. But it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Barabbas is not in heaven. If he went, it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Because for the Lord to take his place like he did, that's exactly what he did for us. And Barabbas may not... The Barabbas may have not known. The Lord even said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't know it, and they got it. I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't there. He had John 8, 38. says, Pilate said to them, what is truth? And when he said this, he went out. Verse 39, he says, but ye have a custom that I should release one of you at the Passover. Will ye, therefore, that I release unto you the king of the Jews? No, we want him. Question tonight is, who do you want? You know, this thing about serving Jesus Christ is easy. Really, it's easy. We're all mess, and we're all wicked, and we're all going to blow it. And if you start looking at each one in here, you're going to find areas where they blow it. You can, if you look at me, you're going to see stuff all over the place all the time where I blow it. And if, that's your, if that is your qualifications of what a Christian is, you've done messed up. My qualification isn't you, it's Jesus. I try to do what Jesus Christ tells me to do, and I don't like to really listen to many people tell me anything. I try to keep my life as clean as I can before you guys so you won't have anything to complain about or uh, the Lord doesn't have. I do not bring any occasion against him, but I'm telling you what, when it really boils right down to it, I'm looking at what he tells me to do, and I really don't care what anybody else says because I have found out over the years when you try to make everybody else happy, you're going to displease him. And if I just please him... I'm going to make everybody else mad anyways. So I might as well just go on and please him. <laughs> I like it, man. I think it's a, it's, it's a no-win scenario. But you know what? I know what? I'm going to win with him. He knew that there was a substitution made for him and allowed him to be released. Matthew 27, 16, it says, and when they had, then they had a notable prisoner, uh, verse 18 says, Matthew 27, 18 says, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. That's, that's called, that's what uh, Pilate did. He knew that they delivered Jesus Christ to them for envy. And he was going to try and let them go, but they didn't, the crowd. The crowd, the crowd. You hang around crowds? Crowds are the worst thing you'll ever get into. You know what's wrong with social media? Crowds. I like, I like on my phone. I'm, I don't know why my phone keeps getting upside down in my hand, but it always does. I hit the bottom and nothing happens. But everybody, I like, oh, I've done that. I like this. I like that. I like, if you like it, hit it. Uh, I don't like nothing. Uh, that thing right there, man, I use it. I use it as a tool, basically. Uh, people text me, and I don't text them back, then they get mad. Uh, they call me. I don't call them back. They get mad. Uh, I'm sorry. My life isn't built around this thing. If yours is, I'm sorry. I feel sorry for you. Uh, I don't have time to build my life around that thing. 
Uh, my life is built all day long from morning to night. I don't have time for you to play around and play around. Oh, let me talk to someone. I'm sorry, man. I'm just not that way. I, maybe I shouldn't be pastor of a church. Don't know. But I know one thing. This is not going to guide my life. If I want to find something on here, now I'll find that, and I'll go find it, and I'll do it, and I'll say, okay, I'm looking for this. If I'm looking for something, this is a great tool. Jerry, Jerry, or Jerry uh, he's now on my uh, top list. Him and Mike Stahl, if they call, they get like that, because I know, really, they're going to ask me to do something. Uh, they're wanting something. They don't just call, oh, Mike, how are you doing? Can you come and do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? I, I know exactly, but it usually is around the church, which is good. I don't have a problem with that. But he knew that, Barabbas knew that a substitution was made for him. Do you know that a substitution was made for you? Have you ever stopped to think for a little bit? It, it changed your life if you stopped thinking about something. There was a substitution made for me. Barabbas knew that. The Gary Duty song on Barabbas is an outstanding song. He looked through a window, man. He's just sitting there watching. He's watching that stuff happen. And knowing that that guy, that guy right there, that guy right there just died. He's dying for me. He's going to die for me. He knew that the multitude cho chose a murderer over Jesus. You know what the multitude is doing today? They're doing the exact same thing. They, Brother Spurgeon said that this morning. If, if the devil appeared like he would, like in Job, it would scare the world. You'd die. You wouldn't even be able to, first of all, you wouldn't be able to worry about it. You'd be dead because the Lord said you'd die even the, the looks of him. But if he appeared like he is, the wickedness and the filth and everything else, most people would run from him. He doesn't do that, man. He appears to make you feel good inside. And your decision, oh, I gotta have it. Oh, this, it's this, it's this. Love is a bad thing. Love, love I, th I think love is crazy. I think there ought to be a lot of things in, in place before love ever even gets into the place. It, it has to be able to happen. But he'll do that. Oh, I've gotta have this. I gotta have that. I gotta have this. I gotta have that. I gotta have this. And we never think, you know, you never think. Now, if you got like all the money in the world, you can do whatever you wanna do. But if you don't have the money, we never think about the money until we get what we got. Then you gotta pay for it. And I'm sitting there going, what happened here? Uh, credit, you know creditors take advantage of you. You do understand that, right? The purpose isn't so you can have the car or the house or the, the, the boat or the, the thing. Down there, they, they try to get me to feel sorry for the hurricane coming through, blowing everybody's boats in the middle of the, in the Florida. I don't, I don't have a boat. Why would I care about your boat in Florida? You didn't need your boat to start with. You thought you needed it. Now you want me to feel sorry about it? No, I better shut up, man. I'm going to start getting into areas. I'm going to get people mad at me. But, but who told you you needed a boat anyways? Well, you got insurance on a boat. It'll cover it, right? I hope it does. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. I can't help you. Uh, scrap it, man. He knew that there was a substitution made. I know there was one for me. 1980 on the back portion of Louisville, Kentucky. I trusted Jesus Christ. It took me 22 years to get there. And at the end of 22 years, I was, I was done with it myself. I'm finished. There was no other way out of this thing but him. Everything else was cleared off the tables. There was nothing there. I sit on the back porch. It was just me and him that night, and I'm sitting there looking at Scott. I couldn't tell you what I said in a million years, but I know what I would have said today. I'm like, Lord, I'm the fault. I remember looking up Scott, telling him, saying, look, you're not at fault here. I'm at fault. You are the one that's always done right, and I'm the one who's done wrong. I have done everything wrong. You have not done anything wrong. I'm not even blaming you. And what I said from that point forward, I have no idea. But boy, he saved my soul that night. And I have not been the same since. And people sit there and go, well, you, Brother Spurgeon gives his testimony. Same thing. 
He had a different lifestyle than I had, but it's the same exact thing. You can talk to people, listen to their testimony. That's why I like listening to people's testimony. Because you can hear them say something. It's the exact same thing. The Lord, every one of us has different parts in our lives and different things we may not want to talk about, but they're there. And the Lord knew all that stuff, and he didn't care one thing about that. You know what he cared about? Here's a soul that's going to hell, and i got to do something about it. And I'm going to make everything available. That's how much he loved me. To get there. To get there. He knew the law was satisfied by the death of the substitution because as soon as they hung Christ on the cross, they let Barabbas go. And Barabbas is running free, scot-free. The day I got saved, I went scot-free. The devil can't touch me ever again. You know what's wrong with a lot of us is we, we get guilty and we look at other things that we shouldn't even be looking at. Who cares? I am free. He said he made me free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Why would I let somebody else put me back under bondage? I'm free. I am free. You know what I think? I think you ought to have a testimony. I think you ought to have a testimony before other people. I think when people look at you, you should never bring disdain or rebuke on the name of Jesus Christ. You should never do that. You should always say, hey, what am I doing? And is this going to glorify Jesus Christ or is it going to bring dishonor to him? That's what I should be doing. And if you think what you're doing is bringing glory to him, then do it. Do whatever you want to do. But if you stop and say, hey, no, wait a minute, man. This is going to cause my brother. You know, he says if you put a a stumbling block in front of your brother, shame on you, man. The best thing you can do is never. You say, well, that means I can't do. Yeah, that means you can't do what you want to do. That means you got to stop and say, wait a minute. Maybe I should, but I tell you what, one of these days on the other side over there, it's going to be different. I'm going to get on the other side, and I won't have to worry about anybody else, and I won't have to worry about looking like something because he's going to make me like that. I still haven't figured that thing out yet. You know, I'm, that, I, I'm like, the day that rapture happens, it's Tim, Brother Tim read an article. I should have had him get up here and read that article. But there, it's a disease. What's a disease called now? About rapture disease? Yeah, rapture anxiety. Yeah, rapture anxiety. There's doctors out there that's actually classified you guys as, 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 as just terrible people because you're giving people anxiety over the rapture. We're talking about lost people now going to hell, but you're giving them anxiety because now it is actually like alcoholics. An alcoholic is a disease. They're saying that rapture is a disease that the Christians are putting on everybody else. Is that what it was? A rapture? What is it called? Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, there's, there's young people that they'll come into a room and everybody will be gone. The first thing they think about is the rapture happened. They're stuck here. Well, isn't that their fault? What I would do is go down the street, see if they're down there. Maybe they went somewhere. Go into a store. I'll tell you how to do it. Well, don't do this in California. But go into any store and try to walk out with something and see if somebody don't come up and try to stop you. If they don't come stop you, probably the rapture happened. You're in trouble. But in California, anything under $900, so if you want to try it, make sure it's over 1000 bucks, and you'll be okay. But... He knew that he knew the law was satisfied. Barabbas was never tried again for those crimes. Hallelujah. Never tried again. Nor was I, nor was I. I'll never be tried again. He knew that he had done nothing to deserve this substitution. Barabbas was the only person in that crowd that understood what the truth was. He had a choice. He had no choice, by the way. He had no choice who would be his substitution. He had to take what was there. And Jesus was there. They gave him that. He, by the substitution, he was set free. And by my substitution, I was set free. You know, the only thing really, I, I was, as I was going down through this thing, back in, in uh, 
John, I want to get back to that one verse here real quick. There was a guy I was sitting there, and I, it just when I, halfway through this sermon, I came across this passage, and it uh, he said, "Abide." Go to go back to uh, John, John chapter fifteen. There was a gentleman, and I'm done. There was a gentleman. He had uh, lived in England, and he he had lung issues, and he was a pastor of a church. Uh, the gentleman's name was Henry Francis Light, and he had lung issues, and, and there was nothing he could do about it. He knew that from a young age, and, and he, the church he took was in an area that was damp all the time, and eventually it turned into tuberculosis, and he knew that he had to leave to go get treatment, and he was going. they all seemed to go down on the Mediterranean down there somewhere where the, the air was dry, and, and, and it was moist, but it wasn't what it was up there, and he thought he'd get away from it. And, and, and he went in there, and I like, I like the way the verse goes there. And it's, it's, he says in John, Matthew, or John, John 15. Let me get there, and, and I'll finish this up. I'll wrap it up. John 15. Jesus said this. He, in verse 4, he says, abide in me. You know, the hardest thing you'll ever do in life, Jesus Christ has made it simple. If you're in here and you're saved tonight, and if I asked for a show of hands, almost everybody in this room would raise their hand saying they're saved. The key isn't do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. It's abiding in Jesus. It's just abide. That man had tuberculosis and died shortly, but when he, just before the night before he left the place up in, in England and went down there, uh, he went into and he came, went in his house and he came out a couple hours later and he wrote that song, Abide in Me. And let me see if I can find me a songbook here. I think it's like 113 or 118 or something like that, but... He was sitting there reading, and I thought about that thing. Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you. And, what's, and we sit there, and sometimes, brethren, we go through this life, and, and all this stuff, abide in me, 75, 75. He wrote the stanzas of this song, and then he, then he goes down, and he, he's working on this thing for the next couple of days, and then he gets down on the Mediterranean, and he dies. And the first time this song was ever sung was at his funeral. And as he's dying, or when he knows his, his life is coming to the end, he writes this song, Abide with me. Abide with me. Fast falls the evening tide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. You know, you know, you know how you can tell if you're where you're supposed to be with him? He says, abide in him. And the only way you can ever get to a place like this is you need, he needs to be in you first. And it's a relationship that's built over a period of time. He goes on. Swift to the close ebbs out life's little day. Earth joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. Oh, thou 
God who changes not abide with me. He's writing this on his death, his last couple days alive. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who like thyself, my God and stay can be? Through clouds and sunshine, oh, abide with me. I'm going to sing the last verse, but they said as he was dying, the last things on his verse was peace, peace, joy, peace, peace, joy, peace. And he went on to be the glory. Hold thou thy word before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life and death, O oh Lord, abide with me. You know, there's some things you need to know about your life to ever get to a place like that. That's, this is where we're supposed to be. They're trying to do away with the song books. They're trying to do away with your Bible. They're trying to do away with your fellowship with him. They're trying to do away with everything about Jesus Christ. They're trying to get rid of God. You know, God says, let them do that. Who cares what they do? Don't let them get between me and you. You're supposed to abide in me and I in you. You know what Barabbas saw? He's the only guy there that understood the truth of Jesus Christ. Peter denied him. Everybody else was running all around, hiding, doing all this other stuff. Barabbas had to watch that whole thing go down. And when he got done, he's like the thief on the cross. I'll bet you Barabbas is in heaven. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. I can't imagine anybody doing, letting that happen to them. And that not affecting their life. I don't understand Judas. Could you imagine Judas sitting there at the dinner table with the Lord? And the Lord picks him out, and, and he can spill the beans on him just like that, and he doesn't. That probably fascinated Luke. And yet Judas went and did what he did. That's because he got a hard heart. I don't think Barabbas had that heart. I don't think the thief on the, thief on the cross was a thief. Barabbas was a murderer, but they still had good hearts. Judas had a bad heart. What's your heart like tonight? The Lord says, abide in me. Are you abiding in him and him in you? Because there's no other way. It is not all the outward appearance, brethren. It's not this garbage here. This is garbage. This is trash. It goes away. It's the inside. And there's things that show in your life when it happens. And there'll be some fruit there somewhere. You don't have to make that stuff happen. It'll just appear on a tree. The fruit just is natural. It's as natural as it can be. Because people want to be around what you are. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. I know this was a little long, maybe a little more deeper than what I wanted to go into. But, Lord, the last day of your life was just a fascinating day. And, Lord, all the stuff you did that night for us, Lord, that day and that night, you allowed to happen. And there was a man named Barabbas, Lord, who got out of death. But, Lord, not just Barabbas, because when that day was over and three days later you come up out of the tomb, Lord, we all that's in this room tonight that got saved, we got out of eternal death, and we got into eternal life. Lord, I've been saved for 43 years, and one of these days, uh, I'm going to come home to you, and I have been trying to abide in you for 43 years. 
And Lord, as that man who wrote that song and he died uh, before that song was ever sung, it was sung at his funeral. And Lord, uh, what a blessing it is. He wrote a song to tell us that we need to abide. We need you to abide with us. Lord, not only do we need you to abide with us, but we need to abide with you. Help us to see that tonight, Lord. As Christians, this world is going to get crazier and crazier. It's always going to be, it's just going to be that way. There's nothing we can do about it. But Lord, we don't have to let it affect us and we can have the joy and the peace and this world can see the glow of you on our lives. Lord, bless the, the invitation. And Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.